With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You missed your timing there, Russ. Sorry. Too bad. Yeah. You couldn't get your name, couldn't get your face on there first. Happy Friday, folks. TGIF. <laughs> uh, we have Peter back today. Um, Ak will be back on Monday. And, uh, you know, there's uh, some things to talk about today. But we need to start pre-show uh, with uh, <laughs> something that irks me. But go ahead, Russ. I'll, I'll, I'll expound on that after you make your Yeah, point. so I um... – I was in my local 7-Eleven this morning. I had to get a uh, some cash. So I went to the to the ATM oh, and I noticed that there was I, I was Mike. That was me getting into the chat room and all that. So I noticed that um, I walked by a bag of Ruffles and and it had an odd flavor. Now I get when I go to Canada, I'm going to see different flavors. My 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 feeling about Canada is with these American companies. Most of those trial flavors seem to go to Canada, and then if they even have a ten percent, you know, rate of success, they come this way. It's just because you know the pickle chips. We've seen all that stuff in Canada first before they ever were here. So, but this flavor really got me because this was mozzarella and marinara sauce, and I was like, "What? Yeah, you think I'm not an Italian guy, obviously, but." I grew up in an Italian Jewish neighborhood. Now, do I like mozzarella sticks? Sure. Do I love marinara sauce? Absolutely. Do I like those two things together? Sure. Absolutely. Do I mix that with a potato taste? No. That's where I draw the line. Now, potato gnocchi, I get with sauce. It's fine. And it is potato, but it's not fried. And I think the combination there is just too much for me. I'm like, you know what? This is just craziness. Now, now we're just trying to put anything together. Just, just like, just like Hollywood has run out of ideas. Yeah. When it comes to movies, companies like uh, Frito Lay have run out of ideas when it comes to flavors. They, I know the few years ago they 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 started petitioning, you know, people uh, to come up with ideas, and we had these this series of ridiculous like tzatziki flavored uh, uh, potato chips and chicken and waffle flavored potato chips, which are just a joke. Um, I, I I don't think Canada is a testing ground. I mean, I, I've seen like all dressed chips and dill pickle and and ketchup there for years. Oh, no, but I've seen other flavors that. I had I've only seen there once right. and never seen there here. Right, but but only in the last few. And honestly, it's like all they're doing is they're taking basically the tomato flavor that they use for ketchup chips, and adding you know adding maybe you know the cheese from say nacho cheese or whatever, mixing it together, and there's your mozzarella well, and marinara. Mozzarella, and, you know, that, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, I, I and I saw the I saw one that was Ruffles Jalapeno Ranch, and I'm like, okay, first of all, where the hell is jalapeno and ranch dressing ever mixed? Never, ever. I've ne I've never seen it before. So, and I tried it, and it was basically it was a it was a ranch like a cool ranch Dorito flavor with a little extra spice. Yeah. Like, you know, what am I going to see in the future? Liver and onions, potato chips, like that could that's the worst flavor 
flavor I can think of that you can make into something. It's just, you know, it's like, don't go for these flavor combinations and try and roll them into a potato chip. Go for one flavor. Like barbecue chips are good for a reason. Yes. It's the barbecue flavor and it works, right? Onion and garlic, same kind of thing. Those those flavors mix, those spices mix. There's a million spices on the market. If you want to start messing with those, then mess with those. Well, they can't, they can't, they can't help themselves, Russ. I mean, I, you know, okay, Lay's had regular barbecue chips. Right. Then they went, here, here's the KC Masterpiece flavor right. barbecue chip. Now it's the Southern Sweet barbecue chip. I know a lot about this because I go down this aisle a lot, yeah. believe me, in the supermarket. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 ridiculous. I mean, why don't we just have like meatloaf chips? But, okay, so the other day we were driving out to visit some friends at, uh, at a cottage. Mike would love that. And my youngest son comes out. We stopped to get gas and have a pee break and comes out and he grabs grabs a bag of chips i grabbed like dill pickle because i'm a dill pickle guy okay. he comes back with something never seen loaded baked potato <laughs> oh my god was it good yeah no, i've seen oh, that before that, that's not the baked potato like this it makes sense yeah right but yeah. You know, bacon flavor and sour cream sure. okay then chives but all that is, all that is, is a sour cream and onion chip with a little bacon flavor added to it. That's it. I like fried shrimp. I don't want to see it in a potato chip. <laughs> yeah, haddock flavored yeah. potato and chip. And it's a Ruffles one too. Yeah. No, yeah. that's a good flavor though because those things make sense because that's what you do. But that's it. Like Ruffles, just do what you do with potatoes. Do what you do with spices. But don't look for like main courses or appetizers. To right. turn into chips, pizza. I know there's chip. a barbecue rib chip. Like, yeah. like, just stop. Just, I'm sorry. It's like we're good with sour cream and onion, vinegar, salt and vinegar, dill pickle, ranch, cheese. You know, we're good with like the six or seven flavors that are generally accepted. We don't need the honestly. Do these companies think that like all of a sudden, like people are gonna just have a, this eureka moment and buy up? thousands well, of bags of chips yeah i think i told you this like lately I, I had this ritual like before a softball game i would i would eat a couple of reese's peanut butter cups right and sometimes if you go into a store it might take me three minutes to actually get those reese's cups because there's 12 different variations of i was gonna say did you get the reese's pieces one right, or did you get the ones that i get the one with reese's pieces that i get that's like, the dark chocolate one the, the white chocolate one i mean yeah <sighs> Yeah, it's, we we don't, folks. We don't need this much variety. I like Coca Cola. Now there's raspberry Coca Cola, orange flavored Coke, lime flavored Coke. Oh my God! I get it. That's fine. It's not taking up shelf space. I just think with this, it's like you're just looking for this short little fixes. Like you know, we saw the turkey and the and the and giblets kind of chips that came out, or turkey and you know stuffing, whatever they called it. And it's like, stop trying to do that. Like, don't have veal parmesan chips. That's okay. what I'm telling you. And fi finally, I just have to throw this out because I know this irks you. You know, we we ha I have not had a pumpkin spice sighting, uh, but but, uh -huh. but it is August 10th, and I went into a local local supermarket a couple days ago, and what did they have, Russ? They had the Reese's peanut butter cup, the shape of a. Uh, jack-o-lantern you know the, the it, halloween when i posted that a week ago someone said oh that must have been last year's and it's like no it's no. not 
You're talking. You're you're talking two and a half months. I know. I, I mean, Jesus. I mean, stop. Yeah, I know. You know, are, are are we putting up our Christmas decorations on August 10th for Christ's sake? Well, it's it's ridiculous. Marijuana becomes legal in Canada on October 17th. So imagine <laughs> what we're gonna see soon. <laughs> oh my God. The, Frito Lay, Frito Lay, and Doritos are stocking up because Munchie sales are going to be out the out the door. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Michael, Michael Farb in the, in the chat room, chicken parm chips. No, no, <laughs> don't ruin no. the chips. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Hello, hockey world. Today is Friday, August tenth, twenty eighteen. I'm Peter Tessier, back from uh, Wilderness Purgatory in Winnipeg. <laughs> I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Well, folks, we have some news today and a signing of, I'd say, uh, some import. Uh, Dylan Larkin, who we talked we talked about, and I think we mentioned earlier in the week, Russ, because we were talking about restricted free agents yeah. who had not been signed and what they would get, either a bridge deal or a long-term deal. And I think we both agreed that Larkin would get a long-term deal, but the question was how long? Yeah, and the deal came out today, and surprisingly, it was a five-year deal uh, at six point one million AAV. Now, the, the surprising thing here is, you know, there's a lot of talk about you know Larkin being the future leader of this team, future team captain, and you would expect the want of the Red Wings would be to get this, get him locked up on as long a contract as possible. This is. Along the lines of the deals that Kane, Taves, um, Stamkos, Tavares all signed out of their ELCs. It's a five-year deal. Larkin's 22, I believe, and he would he'll turn 27 when this deal expires. So he sets himself up for another big payday as an unrestricted free agent in his mid 20s. But what did what did you think of the amount, and what do you think of the deal? I think the amount is about what we were all expected. I thought you know Detroit would try and get an eight-year deal, and we don't know if Larkin got that offer or turned it down. We don't know about any of that. But what we do know, and I did just find out through I. I I forget who retweeted it now, um, but anyhow, saw that he had a no trade in the um, final the year of the deal. Year. Yeah. So yeah. you start thinking now that this is a John Tavares deal, and and you had mentioned that offline, and it really is because this four years <laughs> down the line, that final season, depending on where the Red Wings are at, you are now in that in that same boat because. You were going to be wondering, can we sign him to a long-term deal? Can we keep him? Can we? <laughs> are there these teams that want him? Can we get a decent deal for him, or is he just going to walk? And so that—that's the tough part of this deal—is—is is that no trade in the final year? And I get it from the player perspective. Hey, you asked for it, you got it. Hey, good for you. But this is going to make it tough for Red Wings fans down the line. Now, Peter, they they bought one year of unrestricted free agency on this deal, so he you know he he would have been a, a eligible for UFA uh, for after year four. So they get one year, and they're paying over six million dollars uh, AAV. Um, I mean, the, the 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 see the thing is the cap hit is not the problem here. Um, because you're going to have guys like Zetterberg's contract, Mike Green's yeah. contract, Johan Franzen's deal all drop off uh, in in the lifespan of this. So I think that the Red Wings 
um, if they could have gotten a longer deal, would have paid the extra money. But I think this is probably, and we, we don't know this for sure, I think this is probably Larkin setting himself up for another big payday. And that makes sense. But I, I agree with Russ. It also speaks to maybe the uncertainty of how good the Red Wings are going to be down the line. Yeah, there's a few things here that's interesting. I saw a tweet um, that talked about the idea that Larkin jumped from what did he jump from here? Let me pull this up. Um, he jumped from 1.58 points per 60 at five versus five to 2.24 last year. So right. they've they've given him a pretty substantial contract based on one year. Um, it's you know based on a big jump. Now, yeah, I, I looked uh, when I saw this deal, I immediately went and looked up went and looked up Kyle Connor because you know. There's your comparison. Connor, just for instance, in two years ago in 2016, 17, played 20 games played, had a 0.86 points per 60. Last year, 2.23. So an even bigger jump than Larkin. And he's going to be coming up. For Connors, like Connors, he started to get better line mates on a better power. Yeah. So, I mean, let's look who he's playing with. And and Detroit's a vastly different team than Winnipeg is right now. So, to back to your point, Mike, when I started looking at comparables and you start what you know best first, it doesn't seem like such a bad deal for um, Detroit or Larkin simply because if he pans out to be what they think he's going to be, they're right. going to have another shot to sign him a year earlier than everyone else is. And with right. the other players coming off that they have, like the Zetterbergs and stuff, they're going to have some money and yeah. they could be in a better position given what they have to sign him at a, at a, at a, what market value is, i.e. like the Tavares deal, and see where it goes. Um, it, it's a risk, right? It's, they a risk. Bought, it's a risk. They could have bought three more years, and they didn't. And that that's the risk. But the risk could pay off given that the Red Wings, you know, if they want money, they have it. Right. And if they have the right talent and stuff in five years, let's assume four, because you're going to want to deal with it going into the fourth year before he ever sees UFA time. Right. Um, There's, there's potential that they could really work this to their advantage, but you know, they've got four years to work it. Right. Now let, let me mention something there on Twitter. I did see somebody was using the war analogy wins above replacement yeah. for Larkin, and like the last three years the numbers are going down here's the funny thing about war <clears throat> i'm a proponent of it only in baseball and only for pitchers and you and and the reason is and i've used it in books that way and the reason is when i've looked at it and looked at the value baseball is more singular than hockey anyhow so let's let's get that straight yeah even though it's a team sport but pitching is completely singular like what that pitcher does, other than errors, which is listed, and then there's nowhere in runs, that really he is in control of his own destiny each and every game, with the exception, like I said, of, of errors. So, like when you see a pitcher with a big time war, then you know, okay, you know what? When he's on the mound every fifth day, chances of them winning are 75%. That means something to me. War yeah. in hockey means nothing to me. 
Yeah, and now the thing, and of course, I look at everything through a uh, maple leaf prism here, and and the restricted oh, free agency yeah. of of William Nealanders front and center when it comes to the Leafs, and I you know I recognize that Larkin is a center, so you're going to pay Larkin, and centers are paid differently in the league, but if you look, he had that great rookie season where he scored over 20 goals. I think he point wise, he was in the mid 40s in his rookie year. He dipped to 32 points in his. It was a bad sophomore year, and he bounced back really well last year uh, in the, in the uh, last year's ELC and scored 63 points. I think it was 16 goals. Nylander has played two and a quarter years. Uh, the, the full years he scored 61 and 61. I don't think, I think the odds are now because based on this, and I know that, like I said, I recognize that there's a difference in position. Nylander is a winger and, and Larkin is a center, but based on this, if you're talking the Leafs wanting a six or seven year deal with Nealander, I think you're talking closer to seven million dollars now based on what Larkin got. Uh, it's not going to be closer to Ehlers, or at least this is what Nealander's agent's going to press for something longer on a something more expensive on a longer term deal because it's buying out more unrestricted years. And to my mind, I think Russ that lends itself to them going the bridge direction because it'll be cheaper. Yeah, I think I think bridge is the way to go, and it and it is cheaper. You know, there's something also going on in the in the chat room. Um, Funky okay. Cold Zadina is sort of ripping on. I love that name. I know ripping on Ken Holland for not producing a top four D, and and I I said Dennis Chalowski will be a top four D, but but then it's like, well, he's had ample time to replace Lidstrom, and and you know my answer to that is. The Rangers still haven't replaced Brian Leach. Yeah. It's almost impossible to replace these guys. Like, here's the thing. If you wanted to replace Lidstrom, and let's say Quinn Hughes was your answer, that's fine. But then who's replacing Zetterberg? He got with Zadina. He got a guy who can replace Zetterberg. You can't get all these guys in one or two or three years. That is the problem. The Leafs haven't replaced Boreas Salming, and it was 35 years ago. Right. It's you know you're talking about generational talents. Lidstrom yeah. is an all-time great. He's up there with Orr and Potvin and Robinson. Is yeah, I mean it's you, come on. You can't replace generational talent. Not like right. you just can't until it, until you actually get it and it right. becomes generational talent. Yeah. To you to use to use a baseball example here, and uh, I mean I know that like. Derek Jeter is an all-time great shortstop, and the and the Yankees were lucky enough to get Didi Gregorius right after Jeter. Now, now Gregorius is not a Hall of Famer, but he's a pretty damn good shortstop. If you get somebody that good who's potentially an all-star and an above-average player in a position like that, you have to be thankful because it's very rare you're going to replace a generational guy with another generational guy. It just doesn't happen. Right. So – um, but the, it'll be interesting now because you know it, we're we're getting it's now about a month away from the start of training camp, uh, less than a month till like rookie tournaments start, and that's when things will ramp up and the pressure will be on players who are not signed, like Nick Ritchie, like Neilander, and a few others, to get into camp and to get the deals done. But I, I, I right now, if I had to guess, we've been playing the game that we played early, early in the week. We guessed Bridge I, again. I, I think. There's more of a likelihood that Neilander is going to get signed for a bridge deal than than a long term deal. So, yeah. um, the other contract that w- that came up, uh, yes, late yesterday, and it, if that would have been enough to talk about, was uh, was the uh, Christian Dvorak deal. Um, a little surprising because Dvorak is he was eligible to sign an extension. He has a year left in his ELC. 
Uh, Dvorak won a Memorial Cup with the London Knights. Very good player. Um, first two years in the NHL scored 32 and 37 points, so less than 40. But, you know, we're talking about an Arizona team that's young and, and just starting to come along. He got a six-year deal at $4.45 million. Now, that buys two years of unrestricted free agency. And, you know, he's going to be under contract to them for seven years. One more of the ELC, and then the extension kicks in after next season. The risk here, Russ, is, I mean, they're doing some sort of like prognosticating and throwing a dart at the dartboard here, hoping that Dvorak continues to progress and that he becomes the player that they think he can. And if he does, then this is a good deal, but there, it's not without risk. Well, this is called forecasting. And when I was in the business world, I would have to forecast, like in the hotel world, you know, what occupancy was going to be. And you have just so many stats you can use, and then some of it is guesswork. Right. And and so what they have to use is still pretty strong, though. Here's some good things. So Christian Dvorak has scored 30 goals. Of his 30 goals, 26 have been even strength. Of his 40 assists, 32 have been even strength. Last year, he went up from 46.8 on faceoffs to 51.4. Remember, he's only 21. That may improve. These are really good things. He is the kind of guy that you want out there when the game's tied and, and there's only a couple of minutes left because he's not going to he's not going to hurt you defensively. He could win a faceoff and he might score you the game winner. He he plays hard minutes. He's physical. He's fast. I like the deal. I think this is great by Chica. It's proactive, which we haven't seen enough proactive signings, and I, I like it. Yeah, it's definitely proactive, Peter, and and I'm not disputing Dvorak's talent, but it it is slightly risky. You'll be because, back in a sec. Oh, I'm sorry, I, sorry. Uh, it, it, I'll, I'll, it is slightly risky because you know you know you never know what's going to happen in terms of injury. You never know what's going to happen in terms of a player being able to just continue to develop. Uh, and now I, I think there are a lot of young players, and and the the proactive part of this deal is the fact that. They, you know, they bring in a guy like Galchenyuk, and maybe Galchenyuk plays with Dvorak. And if 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 that happens, and Dvorak puts up a fifty point season, and you go into his, uh, the, you know, going to next summer in a position that uh, Detroit was in with Larkin and Toronto was in with Nylander, and he puts up this big number, then you're talking probably north of five million dollars, maybe five five and a half. So in being proactive, they sit each year for the next six years. But Peter, this this is the thing. You know, I was just looking up as an example. I remember Buffalo doing this with Tyler Myers after he won after he won Rookie of the Year. Um, they he had another he had his, his second year was pretty decent, and they said, okay, let's let's lock him up long term. You know, he had forty eight points and he had thirty seven points, and they signed him to a seven year deal at five and a half, and. That that contract ended up not being a good value for them, uh, and it's it's been a decent value for Winnipeg as he's returned. Because but there was injury problems. There are things that can divert a player and a long term deal, and that's that's why I'm saying this contract with Dvorak is not without risk. No, it's not. And but this is the thing. I think if you're a Coyotes fan. You're kind of like, when are we going to start building towards something? And that's, and, and as Russ said, you know, you, you used to term proactive. This is simply, are they now finding out what they have? They've made deals. They're assembling what they want. Now they're going to start 
keeping these players, signing them to appropriate level contracts because they are a very cash challenged team, as we're well aware of. Not the only one, not yeah. trying to pick on them, but and then so they can aim to something because I think that's the point. Like, and everyone's been waiting for the Coyotes since they hired Cheka to come around and say, What's the direction? What are they trying to do? Mm-hmm. What are they aiming for? When are they going to build a team rather than take helping teams out by taking on problems for some other pieces and blah blah blah? Right. And this is probably with what we've seen with the OEL deal and this. Now we're starting to see the shape of the direction they want to go and who they're identifying. So it's it's a fair deal. I think it's a fair risk for a team like Arizona. And and that's that's I think if you're a hockey fan in Arizona, you have to be feel positive about what this did. And not not only the OEL deal, but they they extended Ranta, they extended Yarmolson. So, you know, they're they're they are they are locking up players long term, but there still is that, you know, the, they have so many youngsters on their ELCs that they have to take on Dave Boland's contract or probably, you know, take on, you know, Datsuk and, and Pronger and all those guys. They've had to, they've had to do that. Now, you know, maybe that they're out, they'll actually be paying out money uh, for players that are actually going to play for them, and that would, which is a, a novel concept. Um, just, just a, just a, a slight detour off of that. It's like, I was talking to a friend of mine who lives in the, in the air, in the uh, Phoenix area. And one of the, one of the reasons why, and we've talked about, you know, Gary Bettman sort of having this, this thing about staying in Arizona, the, the recent census numbers have indicated that the Phoenix area will be the fourth highest population in the United States behind New York, Chicago, and Los Angeles. There's your reason why they're going to stay in Arizona because yeah, people have to be awake at seven o'clock. I, I, I agree. And they have to, they, all, they actually also the median age. That's the, uh, the key number. And they also actually have to be able to be willing to travel from Scottsdale to Glendale and go through Phoenix right. or, you know, or wherever, you know, wherever the bill, they, you know, they're probably going to be playing in the building that they're built playing in right now for the next couple of years until they straighten out the re- arena situation. But I mean, that's the reason why there's such a uh, want of the league to stay in that area. So, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I mean, the the thing that will make it more easier for them to stay there is that they actually have some success on the ice, and they do have talent. It's just you have to build towards something, and eventually they'll they'll they'll, they'll be successful. You would think with all the talent that they have. I mean, I mean, this is. But again, this is we we have been asking for this, and and so this is something where I think it helps them. I did look up the median age, and right now it went from. 32.9 to 37.4 that and the male population is well it's it's just under 50 percent for men mm-hmm. i don't know i mean those those are not exactly the numbers you want because are you going to get a lot of female viewers i don't know i don't like that number to be like 60 percent men would you know the 37.4 you know not that to say like a 37 year old's too old to want to go to the game but when you have an average of 37, that means there's a lot of 50, 60, 70, and 80-year-olds yeah. there. Well, offer, offer a offer a soup and salad combo and some Geritol giveaways, and maybe you get the uh, the <laughs> people going to the to the Gila River or Jobbing.com arena. Um, now, Russ, we talked, we mentioned it earlier in the week, but um, the deadline is Sunday. 
that the self-imposed deadline apparently for Brady Kachuk to make a decision regarding signing an ELC with the Ottawa Senators or going back to BU for another year. I haven't heard anything on this, but I, I, it, I, for, for me, from my point of view, looking at the, the Ottawa situation, I would try to stay away from it. And I would, if I was Kachuk, I would go back to BU for another year and play in the World Junior. But you know, especially for the fact that he doesn't he doesn't need the money. But we'll, we'll find a decision, find out a decision before Monday. So, what do you think is going to be the decision? Well, I, you know, I was listening to Craig Button on the um, Summer Showcase broadcast on one of them. He um, he was talking about Kachuk going to the London Knights and thought that would be a great setup for him. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think. I think the better setup for him is really to go back to BU. And it's not because I'm choosing college over junior hockey, because I don't think it matters how many games Brady Kachuk plays. I think we all know what Brady Kachuk is capable of doing, and he started to show a lot of that last year. But Brady Kachuk can work out three days a week in, in BU with a world-class staff and then play on the weekends. And I think that's better for him because mm -hmm. if we see just a little bit stronger built up Brady Kachuk, which we know can happen considering how much he elongated his body the last couple of years with that growth spurt. Right. I think that's the best way for him to go. So that's what I'm hoping to see, honestly. Well, if, Peter, if you, I was going to say, if you are the Ottawa senators and this is something that you're trying to influence one way or the other, you're doing it wrong. You go and come out with a, you go and talk to Brady Kachuk and say, we have no pressure for you to come join the club right now. You do what you think is best for you. We are standing behind you and we need you to get to where you want to be on your terms and we want to be a part of it. You act so positive because that tire fire of a franchise has, sends out all the wrong, uh, wrong messages wrong moves they they allow quotes to get out from players from management they have conflicts with the owner they need this is their reset moment of saying right. we have our top prospect here how are we going to bring him in they've had a disastrous arbitration with stone i mean you know this is this is the point that you realize there may be a a, a deeper bottom here but you don't know where it, when you're going to hit that point. But this is your point to avoid getting it and start changing the direction because you don't have much to change with, really. Yeah, and, and you need to nurture this relationship in the way that the player feels I'm valued and I want to stick with what we're going through. And there's no risk when it comes to the senators of him. If he if he goes, if, and I know this because it's happened with with Leaf prospects who played like Jeremy Bracco, who played for BC, I think for like five games, and then ended up going to the going to the OHL. He played for Kitchener. The 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 draft rights for a player who played originally in the NCAA and then went to uh, the, the any team in in the CHL, it's still four years, right? So that they can retain him. I mean, if 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 Kachuk was looking for a way to sort of get out going to, going to Ottawa, this is not the way to do it. It's like I mean, his brother Matthew played in London. I am sure that it was a positive experience because he won a Memorial Cup there. And if he didn't want to go back to BU, then maybe London would be an option. But he could go to London after signing an ELC with uh, with with the, with the Senators. So I, I'm not sure if that direction that that Craig Button was talking about is ind indicative of him signing a deal or not signing a deal. If
if, if he doesn't sign a deal, then I don't, I agree with Russ. I don't see why he wouldn't go back to BU because he, you know, I mean, unless it wasn't a pleasant experience and we know it was no Quinn was the coach there. Right. Right. So, so that, you have a new coach, but, yeah. but again, you know, Broncos situation was because, Hey, he wasn't a good student. Right. We have not heard that about Brady Kachuk, so I don't. No, think no, no. I was just, I was just. No, I know, I know. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Usually, that's a reason to say, "All right, you know, I'm going to cut my college career short." Because, but if Kachuk is a good student, like I think he is, mm -hmm. go back and get the second year of your degree. You're halfway there. Then you, you know, then you could start turning pro, and in the summers, you could finish up, you know, your degree. I think that's the smart way to go because just because his name is Kachuk and just because he looks great right now doesn't mean he can't have some sort of injury that you know, throws his career off. So this is a, a free education that I think you take advantage of as a person. That's the way I would go, man. Now, um, I sent you a list and there was a list put out by cap friendly of uh, players who would become unrestricted free agents on August 15th. That's the, the, the time of, of the uh, summer after the, uh, has completed his four years in college and can become an unrestricted free agent and sign with another team, a team that didn't draft him. Um, right now, in the past, Russ, I think two years ago, it was Jimmy VC watch, and we know how, you know, I, I still think, you know, he's been a, a success story. I mean, not to the great, you know, the great expectation that a lot of people had. I still think he's a very effective player. And Will Butcher was and uh, Alex Kerfoot last year were major success stories with Colorado and with New Jersey but this year it doesn't seem like there's anybody of impact no I mean you know one of the telltale signs is I was talking about those guys a year in advance right I was bringing them up saying hey you know especially Butcher uh now in this group look Jack Glover who was with the NTDP and Winnipeg I've kept track of him he's an okay defenseman like he's got some good good things about him. Could he play some depth minutes in the NHL? Yeah, possibly. So somebody, somebody's got to sign him, you know, but I don't know if it's somebody will be in a rush to sign him. And I don't think Winnipeg's in a rush to retain him based on the fact that their defense, even, you know, when you go pretty deep now is, is pretty good. So I think that's a situation where they're, they're, they're probably let him go and, and it's not a big deal. Michael Prefavisis, uh, that's a, it's a name. Uh, yeah, I'd seen him play a f more than a few times in uh, in Rensselaer, you know, an RPI, and yeah, I think he's a pretty good puck moving defenseman. Right now, he played for the Cyclones last year. You know, he played eleven games there. He was playing with um, played with Bryson Martin, who, if you remember, was drafted from from the Sabers. You know, is that a guy that eventually could play some NHL minutes? Yeah. So I think I, I think someone might sign him, maybe not even this year, but. Just as a, you know, because you you want depth on defense. Um, Terrence Amoroso was a guy who the Flyers drafted. They were really, and he played out of Clarkson, really high on him two, three years ago. I felt like it was starting to wane, and I think it's gotten to the point now where there's just no interest. So I'm not sure if he'll get something. Uh, I have seen Aiden Muir in Western Michigan. It's okay, you know? I mean, when you look at, there was one other player, uh, Dwyer Shantz at Cornell. Like a good player, like can play defense and stuff. He's not putting up points. Mm -hmm. These days, I think when you're looking at this list, you have to either be really offensively gifted, like Kerfeld, Kerfoot rather, and and BC in college to 
to be able to be a free agent and have a lot of people go for you or just be a defenseman that has some potential. And then I think you do get signed. So I think a couple of the defensemen get signed. Um, Peter, I know that Eck mentioned last night on uh, on Twitter that he had been hearing some chatter regarding Winnipeg and Toronto. Didn't offer any specifics, but it's, you know, it's not – out of the realm of possibility based on conversations that we've had regarding how even, uh, even just defensively, how one team could really help the other. I mean, from what I, from what I recall, and I know that um, you've got Truba Bufflin. Um, and who was the other one on the right side with uh, Myers. Myers, Myers on the right side with, with Winnipeg on the Leafs. You have, you have Dermot Gardner, and Riley as all lefties and Hainsey playing out of position, a left shot playing right D. So the Leafs are heavy on on left D. The Jets are heavy on right D. And they have similar situations with Myers being a UFA after this season, Gardner being a UFA in Toronto this season. It does make sense. It, but again, I and these are two teams in similar positioning in terms of lots of talent that they have to get signed over the next year or two. So, I mean, it's not, a, it's, it's not impossible to think that something could, could get done here. You, you know what, this, there's always smoke around these two teams. Like that's, that's the consistent theme here. And we've been seeing it for a while. So that there's smoke. Um, I don't think it's, I don't think it's impossible for anything to get done. I think it could be likely. I think, what the what what Dubis and and Shevel Dayoff have to come to two ter, terms with, sorry, is are we am I trying to outmaneuver my counterpart to get the best out of it, or am I trying to make my team better? And I think that's part of it, right? Like, and we you know, and so when we all sit and play our armchair GMs, and we all do this, and fans, whatever you want, bloggers, writers, you name it, right? You always try and figure out a trade that makes you better and gets rid of your problems right like it's it's always the idea of spare parts or your bad a, a lot of quantity of bad for something good sure and in this case i don't think either team has that ability to do of dumping a lot of bad for something good because neither gm is going to do that right so this is the point of how do we arrive at fair value that fixes our needs because they do align well and mm -hmm. i think that's where if, if there's some smoke going and, and it leads to some fire that's where it's going to come around on I also think that should a deal arrive at, and say it does involve a player like Jacob Truba, the obvious candidate, and it involves someone like Jake Gardner, there's going to be other pieces that move with this, sure. and it might be it might be picks, it might be um, prospects, or it might be other roster players. But no doubt, the two if the two sides are engaged in, in the level of conversation that's being suggested. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of moving pieces here because they both have the same impending cap issues. Winnipeg probably a little more dire than the Leafs, but they're all coming to roost, right? They've got, you know, what what are the who who are the big three for the Leafs that they are going to have to deal with? Matthews, Matthews, Marner, and Nealander, and, and, right? and Gardner is the fourth, and he's and a Gardner UFA as, as opposed to being so, an RFA. And for the Jets, you have Morrissey, Liney. Connor, right, and and yeah. whatever the the whatever. so you you have the same kind of headaches coming due, and 
you know, and that's where everything's going to be really interesting because for both teams, they have to alleviate the ten, the, that that stress on the salary cap so they can do what they need to do. Mm-hmm. Like they can fit everyone in, but it's going to come in expenses elsewhere. And that's what will be really interesting about this if, if something should come to fruition. Well, and the, and the one thing I think that would have to be determined beforehand for a deal to take place between Toronto and Winnipeg mm-hmm. is a determination on both sides of what is going on in terms of being able to get a player signed with a deal. Like with yeah. Gardner, Gardner, is, his agent is Pat Brisson. Yeah. Dubas spoke to Pat Brisson at the draft. Now, I don't know whether there's been any context since then, but based on the fact, and we've talked about this before, based on the fact that guys like McDonough and OEL and Dowdy and probably Carlson, but Carlson may go to next July, got locked up. Yarmelson's another one. Uh, Gardner is it's Gardner Myers and Jay Bomeister is the top three defensemen on the free agent yeah. market next year. And if Gardner puts up another 50 point season, which he's likely to do with, with the Leafs with Tavares and, and Matthews and the offensive firepower that they have, you know, he's setting himself for a, for a payday, probably not as much as Carl John Carlson, but you know, I'd say probably in the seven to seven to five range, which I don't think the, the, I don't, first of all, I know the Leafs can't afford it. And even if they could afford it, I don't think they would want to sign up. Now, if they, same for the jets, right? It's the exact same problem. If they were the basis of a trade. Right Right. now, now the, the thing is, is that Gardner, he's only got a year left and then he's a, then he's free and clear. A guy like Truba has got two years. He's got another year of arbitration. Mm-hmm. So the, the ability he, he to can't, hold on. But team arbitration, he can't file, right? Because uh, he already used his turn. He filed uh, once. Yes. Yeah, that's right. So, team arbitration. so if you're a team, you're going to you're gonna file for arbitration next summer and go for a two-year deal. Right. Right. And, and that's that's the and then 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 that's the end of arbitration and you he's UFA. So it's you gotta be pretty sure. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, right. Like, I mean, this is not a good situation for the Jets right now. And every day, every week, every month that goes by, mm-hmm. it only messes the problem up more for them. Well, this and this is the this was the point. Like, okay, the Leafs have to find out what the price point on Gardner is. I'm yeah. assuming that they have or they have a general idea. With yeah. Winnipeg, they have to really have to find out what the price point is on two guys. One, Morrissey on a long term deal. Two on Myers, whether they want want or can extend yeah. him before they can before they can maybe think about trading Truba because I can't see them trading Truba and then losing Myers as no. an unrestricted free agent. So they have no, to they won't. Yeah. So they have to find out one or the other and then move accordingly. So this is not a process that like you can just the first day of training camp say, Oh, hey Kevin, let's make it let's make a Myers for Gardner deal. Yeah. The camera mic is waiting to see how your reaction will be when they sign Jake Gardner to a long-term deal. That they're, so they're salivating here's, over that. Here's the thing that I, I wonder about with okay, let's just let's just use Myers and, and Gardner. Okay. So there there's a segment of, of and I'm just talking fans. Let's not talk about the hockey side of things, just the fans thing here. There's a segment of the Jets population who would ship Myers out for just about anything right now because they believe he's doing more harm than good. I believe there's a segment of the Leafs who are super frustrated with Gardner in his defensive play. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Myers, it's a bunch of things, and you could pick any of them. 
So you're swapping problems. But if you don't need Myers to be offensive, he could probably be fairly serviceable, particularly in a Babcock kind of scheme. Here's the thing. Jets fans are not going to have any tolerance for Jake Gardner if he's anywhere near Dustin Bufflin. Okay, let, 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 because you let, got the let, same let, issue here, right? Let, and that's let, what let, I wonder let, if that transcends into a hockey argument. Thing. But here's the thing, Peter. I think, and, and again, I could be wrong. I think the Jets are sort of waiting for the day when they could have guys like Bufflin and Myers and Logan Stanley on the ice because they all could skate, they're all big, and they all could throw their body around a little bit. Myers, not as much. And when you can do that, that does make it hard to play against. Yeah. Assuming assuming a Gardner for Myers deal, um, Myers would probably be on the top pairing with Morgan Riley and would allow um, Hainsey to play either second pairing with Zaitsev or third pairing with a guy like Travis Dermott. So it would have a, a domino effect. Um, Gardner, I would assume, would probably play. I can't see Gardner playing with Bufflin because you, want, you have to have somebody playing back behind the red yeah. line. But that would mean him playing with Truba, which actually yeah. would probably be a good pairing because Truba is a tough guy who can play both ways and would but cover up for some of Gardner's problems. But here comes the problem. There's no way come you see you're just transferring the headache, right? There's no way you're gonna be able to pay Morrissey, Bufflin, Truba, and Gardner. Like you just can't do it. Right. You, and it, 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 there's no way. And there, is some and, news. there is some breaking news. Um, so Sportsnet 590 is reporting that Eugene Melnick is meeting with the mayor of Ottawa today. So that probably is that either the start, the middle, somewhere point of the arena negotiations. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. all these things are going on at once. Like it does make for chaotic times. Yeah. yeah. And to, to answer the those uh, those in the chat who are salivating, as you said, waiting for my reaction to a Gardner deal, it all depends on what the deal is. I personally, if I was the Maple Leafs, would not pay Jake Gardner any more than Morgan Riley. Morgan Riley's making $5 million a year. That would be my cap on Jake Gardner. If he's looking for more than $5 million a year, bye-bye. Yeah, but yeah. Riley, got that, Riley got that years ago. Like Two now, years ago. Million- well, two years how ago, many, how many goals did Gardner have last year? Uh, he had it was like seven, maybe. I don't think he scored over right. ten. Let me let me just double check. But and yeah, how no. Many Carl, how many did Carlson have? Do you know? Just I, I know you don't. I don't expect you to know. I'm just not. I'll look it up. Okay, you look up Carlson. Gardner last year had five goals, forty-seven assists, fifty-two yeah. points. Carlson yeah, had think... nine goals. Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking. So you... Go ahead. Yeah, I'm just thinking like if you're paying Gardner, you're paying him for the total contribution to offense. Yes. Right. He's not, a puck rusher. Right. He's a power play puck guy. Yeah. yeah. And and that's and, and if you you know, so that's 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 sort of the, the thing. How badly does a team need that? And the team that needs that may not be the best trade partner for the Leafs. That's a problem. Right. And and, and that that's the challenge. And that's where I think Ideally, you know, having a Morrissey Gardner one two is great for the Jets on the yeah. left side, but your expense would have to be probably Truba because he's going to take up what you're going to eventually land Truba for in Winnipeg if it's even possible. 
is what Gardner's going to get. And you're going to have to hope Myers takes a better deal and keep him. Yeah. yeah and right. And, like that's kind of how it probably shakes down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the funny thing is that you, you could, you could see in a year like a Myers on Toronto, if they let Gardner walk, because Myers sort of fits what they're looking for in terms of filling in their, uh, you know, their, their left side, right side breakdown. So, I mean, it's possible, but, but, you know, I'll, I'll Mike, just, Mike, the chat room's getting, trying to get to, you now. like there's a post for eight years, seven, 7 million AAV. Well, there, whoever, whoever, whoever uh, posted that has jumped the gun on the marijuana date of October 17th. Because the, because the Leafs the Leafs are not doing that. I'm sorry. They're not. They're you know take into consideration you know the, the adjustment for percentage of cap on a new deal. So if it's if if Riley was five million, then whatever the percentage of cap was on that deal, uh, then maybe Gardner gets paid above and beyond that. I just I don't see them signing Gardner. He'll be 28 years old. I don't see him signing Gardner for any more than. You know, for less than six, I don't think they can afford any more than that. And I think that you know, with Liljegren coming, with Dermot in the NHL this year, uh, you know, I think the odds are he gets traded before the deadline, even if they're contending. You know, even if they're in a playoff spot, contending possibly for a cup, they cannot let a guy who's going to walk away go for nothing. So that's you know, I can continue to say that. Uh, one interesting thing I saw, and then we'll take a few questions in the chat before we end the show. Um, we were talking about you know the situation in Minnesota with Matt Dumba signing a new deal uh, and uh, the, the cap crunch that they might be under and how it might be alleviated by Ryan Suter being on the IR to start the season. Well, he's skating. He started to skate, and he expects to be ready for training camp. So he's a he's. Uh, accelerated his uh, um, you know the time frame of him being able to play. If that happens, I believe they have less than a million dollars in cap space for us. I they, I think that brings to the forefront the possibility of of, of them, you know, m moving a, a guy like a Spurgeon as a, as a cap relief situation. Um, I'm not going to think that. I, I'm I'm thinking right now this all looks great, and then you know first day of camp things could completely change. So I don't think they're going to do it. The summer cap lets you roll throughout training camp, sure. and I think they're going to hang loose with that. So you think? I mean, depending. I mean, I'm I'm assuming that if he's skating now and that if he's going to be ready for training camp, that he's going to be okay. And you know, then yeah, it's it's right to assume that. But yes, yeah. something can happen, and if he has yeah. a setback, then he may start the year on LTIR. But if if he doesn't, if he's ready to go, then they're really strapped. I mean, it's it's going to be one of those situations where they're going to be they're going to be pinching pennies and counting every dollar with every call up during the year, and you really can't operate with less than a million dollars in cap space. I don't know what the exact figure is. I'll have to look it up on cap friendly, but I mean, from what I remember, it was close. It was close to just a million dollars, and that's you need a little wiggle room under the cap, especially at the deadline if you want to add players too. So. Sure here's here's a question if you're looking at comparable cap hits how do you pay gardner more than goss's bear well i don't know if that'll actually happen it'll just happen possibly temporarily but yeah. I, I don't know if that'll be the end result i don't think it will be well i mean remember gardner okay goss's is what 23 russ 25 like no he's 25 because he 25. yeah Okay, so 
Gardner, I mean, Gardner signed the deal that he's currently on, uh, I believe it was three years ago, and at $4.025 million. And if you probably calculate that one out to percentage of cap, it's probably equal to what Gostaspier got from the Flyers. So they're pretty yeah, much the same yeah. type of deal. It's just Gardner's two or three years older. So... I mean, it's pretty much it's pretty much it's in the same range, and they're pretty much the same type of defenseman. Although I think Gostaspier is probably better defensively than Gardner is. Gardner, he made a jump last year to put him ahead of him. Yeah, yeah. Gar, I mean, th this is the thing, and, and I, I know people they can't they can't take my opinion of of Jake Gardner seriously because they know that I've been a very 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 critical of him. He's twenty eight. He's not going to improve on the type of defenseman he is. You would have done it. Would have you would have seen that by now? You don't have this great change in the way a player is. I mean, you can it can happen at twenty three. It can happen at twenty five. It can't happen in twenty eight. At twenty eight, yeah. he is he is what he is. So, and I'm not saying what he is is bad. It's just it's got flaws. He's a one way player. He's a very good offensive player. He's creative. He's quick. He's got a good shot. Lots of teams need that a player with that skill set. Toronto has got players like that already. They need somebody who shuts down, who clears the front of the net, who's tough in their in their own zone. And Gardner is never going to be that. So that's why you know I think that the Leafs need to move on and find that defenseman who fits what they need better. So all right, we're gonna do a couple of quick questions, then we're gonna go. Okay. Uh, Drew asked, "Does Brady Kachuk go back into the draft in two years if he opts out?" to go to junior instead of college and doesn't sign. No. So he was drafted out of college. Look, he's going to get signed. No, so, he did. But that, no, it, that's not what happens. Yeah. It's not what happens and doesn't matter. He's not, he's going to sign. Right. They're not going to, he's not going to be an unsigned guy beyond next year. All right. So next one, Vepsis, how many prospects from 2018 draft class will play this year? I mean, I think Zadina and Svechnikov for locks. After Kut that, it gets a little ponderous. I, you know, I don't, I don't think Kachuk's going to. Kotkaniemi is a 50-50. Yeah, Kotkaniemi is a 50-50. You know, then you're, they, there could be a surprise one. Uh, you know, seeing what I saw out of Bouchard lately, I would say no. Um, what so, about what about Dobson? I mean, Darlene's obviously right. So, so there's three. Um, no, Dobson, no. Uh, honestly, that may be it to start. Now, what could change this? is at the end of the season, let's say Michigan, their season ends early. Yeah, Quinn Hughes could maybe get in a game or so, but that would have to be, I think, only if Vancouver were in the playoffs. I'm not sure if the regular – no, with regular – yeah, I guess if they don't go to the Frozen Four, I guess Quinn Hughes would have a chance at playing a few games. So there's something for – you know, a chance for that, but that's a real long shot too. Yeah, so we're saying basically at the most four. Yeah. Darlene Sveshnikov, Kutkinyemi, and – Zadino. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Cousin Eddie is saying Gardner for Norris because he just wants to bug Mike. Out of boy. Our good friend, Cousin Eddie from Sudbury, nickel capital of the world. All right. That's that's pretty much it for questions. Okay. Great job. All right, guys. Uh, have Everybody have a great weekend. For Peter Tessier, for Russ Cohen, I'm Michael Agello. Thanks for watching. And remember, without the buzz, it's just Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.